this episode and every episode of the Vorloff Hour is brought to you by the Iowa Brewers Guild. Hey guys, welcome to the Morloff Hour and welcome back to the Vorloff Hour. You think that's good? I think that's great. I think that's good. Um, we're back. There's things in the feed now. Can you believe it? Um, as you, you've already heard, we got Jack Wilson. Hello. Afflicts. You heard him last week in the timeline that you see on your podcast app. It's Jack. You know him. You love him. I mean, not a lot of people love me. Uh, it'll grow on you, though. It's like a, yeah. a slow growing mold that you can't get rid of. We know him and we love his beer. <laughs> no, that's true. We can't. We, we do love that portion of the program. Yeah. And the other voice you're hearing is our good buddy, Nathan Heemstra. Hello. We brought him on as producer and he's killing it. I do my best to make it sound good. Andy loves beer. Also d- true. Helpful. So, you know, we connected over that. Oh, and I'm James. You know me. But uh, Jack, Nathan and I, you know, we're doing a bit of a soft reboot on the Vorloff Hour. And this you're hearing right now is uh, actually a second show we're adding to the feed. Yeah. The Morloff Hour. It's Morlofen. What's what's it all about? Well, we're going to sit down after we have discussions with breweries on the regular Vorloff Hour and just have a nice chat to fill in the void of what's going on in the beer world in Iowa and outside of Iowa and things in general. Things that our listeners want us to talk about they can ask us questions on the instagram the vorloff hour uh, i believe there's other accounts that they can get at us or the vorloff hour at iowa brewers guild uh the vorloff hour at gmail.com gmail.com use that one we have use access that to that one we have access to both the oh, okay. gmail's just uh better integrated on my phone personally so oh, that's good i checked that one more so yeah, if you have any questions, send them our way or find us. We do have one question. Should we just jump into it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. We should With just jump question? on into it. We have a few, I believe. I oh, mean, do we? I think it's like a list. It's like a bulleted, talk about this, then this, then this. And I believe it's from our good friend, Andrew Frana. Oh, love him. From Andrew Frana. Oi. With the looming potential barley shortage slash price hike of 2023, how do you see the brewing industry reacting? And then sub questions are not changing tactics, just increasing prices at the tap more, much wider adoption of adjunct grain alternatives besides oat and wheat, lower ABV and thus less grain beers coming more common, or some other reaction. So what do you guys think? That's a great question, Andrew. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Andrew of Brightside. You might hear from him later. Yeah. Not this episode. No, but in the main feed for sure. Um, You know, I think he has like all those sub questions are actually all like kind of great points. You know, I think we're already seeing like the lager boom. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, you could uh, see as a as a reaction to, um, you know, these like uh, rising prices, like stylistically and stuff, there are coming more in favor. But I think that's going to be even pushed further with like prices. Yeah. The prices are getting pretty crazy per pound of grain, basically. And we've also seen a lot of people already go with just increase the price. I mean, yeah, a lot of breweries are already doing that to offset the cost of the grain. Yeah. I mean, it's, you have to give what the people want, right. And they still want like huge doubts, big IPAs. Like those are still popular and you're going to just see those. Like there's still people are still going to make them until it becomes so cost prohibitive that, it's not going to vibe with the customer, but you're still seeing these like huge stouts and stuff. 
being made. I mean, they're just like uh, catnip for for beer nerds or just drinkers, period. Yeah, what's your personal, like, what's the top you would pay for, like, let's just say a 6% hazy IPA, like, and Nathan, you too, because it's probably better to ask you because you're, like, not a producer. Um, But, like, what do you top out at? Like, what is too much for a pint of like a hazy IPA out there in the world. If you go to a bar, like what, what's your upper limit and be like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to spend that. Great question for a pint. Yeah. For 16 ounces or 14, whatever their default size is. Yeah. I say, I'm trying to think of like Capco and we pour in like 14 ounce pints, probably like $7 about there. Maybe a little more depends on like, again, I like, I know what people are putting in there, so or have a pretty reasonable idea. So maybe I have more latitude. I'm like I would pay more, you know, seven fifty, eight dollars depends on you know where I'm getting it. Yeah, I mean when I go out, I'm not I'm not usually drinking a whole lot. I'm drinking less of stuff that I really like, and so I mean I don't I haven't I don't blink an eye at like nine eight nine dollars for a good double IPA like. Something from uh, like out, out of state, like Blackstack. Like I've I've dropped a lot on a four pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, it's it's great, and I don't regret it. Yeah, for for me, it's just like I, it's it's a lot of like where it's coming from. It helps depend on how much I'm going to pay for it. But I'm thinking of like not like on a store shelf. Say I'm going down to El Bade Shop, and like they're increasing prices across the board, not just on a, any one brand, but just like the average price of a hazy IPA. It's I'm going to start batting an eye at it when it starts hitting like eight fifty and $9 for the regular ones. Now, double IPAs, Imperial IPAs, double dry hop, crazy other things in them. Maybe I'd be more than willing to do that. But like, we're, I mean, we're already seeing the prices start to increase. It's just like, where, where does it end? Or what point do the consumers stop paying? And I'm just trying to gauge that. That's because that's kind of a different, interesting route down this. I think people are already comfortable, like stout wise, with a dollar an ounce. And people are paying more for that. You know, if it's super adjuncted, like, you know, some, <clears throat> a brewery just had a release recently that um, I think it was like $20 for a 16 ounce can. And uh, that's not out of the norm. And I don't think I would bat an eye because at that point, I'm only buying one can. And I'm also like sharing it with a bunch of people. Like, I'm not spreading the cost around, but, like, it brings enjoyment to, like, whatever we're doing. So that's fun. I can justify it like that. You know, it's it's definitely indulging in a hobby. And some hobbies are expensive. You know, collecting comics, that can get expensive. That's true. Um, you know, doing other things. But, you know, if you're drinking craft beer to get drunk and stuff, that's a little different. Like, of course, you're going to spend a bunch of money. And you come back to your tab, and you've had, like, 10 beers, you know, and it's, like, $100 or more. I would hope that your goal, if you're out drinking craft beer, isn't just to get drunk. Yeah. No, I mean, like, fine, start with your pseudo sue or whatever, and then switch to Bush Light. You're going to save a lot of money and probably calories. The Bush Light's actually got a lot of calories in it, doesn't it? No, it's like a seltzer, man. It's like around 100. It's like 4-2%. I think the carbs are below 4 or 3. Man, I need to do more research on how much is in beer. I know IPAs generally have more. Oh, it's terrible. I mean... Especially the ones that we have so sweet, you know, mm-hmm. that finish at like a higher gravity. It's it's insane. Like there's some <laughs> those ABV calculators that are like, hey, just a rough estimate. This is like 400 calories for 12 ounces. Hell yeah. Like we brewed a stout 
And what it was telling us was absolutely absurd. It was like six, seven hundred. That was before we adjuncted it. That was Cosmic Bear. That's an absurd amount of calories. Now, if you think of that as a meal, are you more okay with spending the money on it? Well, yeah, think about that. You know, some chicken tenders, a chicken tender basket. That's probably $16. A beer? Hey, eight. Yeah. And the same amount of calories now. Yeah. And I feel better, you know, until I have too many. That's but that's fair. okay. Do you think, uh, so we were talking about the price increases and stuff and the, yeah. that loggers exist. Do you think there's any other way people can combat the rising prices of everything? I mean, you could uh, adjunct your loggers, I suppose. Throw some rice in there, some corn. Yeah, but how much, like, it, corn, all that stuff is still going up too, massive droughts and all that. So it's not even like if you use different adjunct ingredients that, that would even solve the problem. I mean, put the cost on you, you know. Buy uh, ungelatinized stuff, you know, do your cereal mash. Add that other two hours to your brew day or however long. I've never done one because they sound terrible. It does sound terrible. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, you're still getting a bunch of beer for less money. I mean, we brewed that lager today. Yeah. Which... I mean, yeah, it was Weirman yeast. Yeah. Yeast? Well, wow, yeah. Good Lord. Pilsner malt? Yeah, Pilsner. All that stuff. But I mean, that's still going to be cheaper. You're saving money on your, you know, your hops. Your yeast, you can probably repitch. So you're saving that. I mean, Hazy's too. Like, you can definitely get more gens out of it. But, man, it's impossible to, to combat those hop prices. That's where all the money's coming from. And same with adjuncted stouts. That's you know? fair, yeah. Sure, if you just brewed, like, an imperial stout. And you didn't put anything in it. It's still going to be like fairly pricey. But I mean, even the market, you know, demands it be more expensive because you can charge it. Yeah, I, th I think if I'm talking about like like price per gallon, not including the water or energy costs and not including labor for like the beer we produce today, it was like two dollars and sixty three cents. And then like our normal hazies are like five something per gallon. So that's like double the cost for that. And it's mostly the hops. Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, all the other factors like wages, you know, rent, all that stuff contributes. That stuff isn't getting any cheaper. We just, you know, you just got to keep preparing yourself for spending more, period. Like, is there ways to combat it? Sure. Like we've just talked about, you know, using adjuncts or like corn and rice, not the fun adjuncts like malted milk balls or whatever. Or a cosmic, uh, <laughs> yeah. what are those again? Yeah. Star Crunch. Star Crunch. Star Crunch and marshmallows. Marshmallows right. ain't cheap ish i don't know i don't this was forever ago don't expect me to know this it's february that was a long time ago yeah ages um yeah i don't know i think honestly bottom line just get we're gonna have to get used to these higher prices like you're gonna have to vote with your dollar you know if you don't agree that this like fun adjuncted stout just isn't worth it for you that's fine i mean maybe don't bash the uh the brewery or whatever publicly you know yeah. maybe I mean, keep that to yourself but Besides that, you know, but with your dollar, you know, help out in other ways. Buy just one can. Share uh, with your friends. If you want to keep helping your local breweries and your local community, yeah, it's definitely Take your voting friends with your money. dollar. Take your friend's money. You guys go in on a bottle. Oh, I was thinking you were going to beat up your friend for the money for the beer, not that you were actually doing a nice thing with this person. You could do that, but then you have to pick a brewery and you have to be, it's like you're in a clan. Mm. Yeah, so, I've you got know, a couple... I've got a couple of friends where we, we go in on bottles all the time together. It's the best way to do it. I think like maybe I'm kind of a cheap ass, but also like they are like prices are expensive, like paying $28 for a bomber. I totally understand that from like production and a lot of stuff. But like, yeah, if I can spread it out for sure. Plus, I'm only going to realistically drink 
four or five ounces of that beer and like yeah, 22 in there you're definitely gonna share with other people anyway 100 percent. that's why i like you know what another point smaller formats with these bigger beers oh yeah absolutely put them in like i'm seeing a lot more uh 375 and mm-hmm. 500 milliliters which i think is 16.9 for 500 and just a, under 13 ounces for 375 what Lua just did for their uh barrel aged releases not that long ago right they had a f- the four pack of the different ones weren't those 370s they are yeah and i think i think all their barrel aged stuff has always been 370s um and then bombers 750s maybe or maybe just like 22 ounces for their mm-hmm. like um non-barrel aged stats but i think that's the way to go you know like you have to you have to talk about like buy, one buying the barrels and the time that it sits, and a lot of these bigger stouts sit for years sometimes. And then you're, you know, even if you're not adjuncting it, it's just like so much, you know, time. You have to, you know, time costs money too. But smaller, smaller formats, you know, I've seen like eight ounce cans that people sell. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask home. a question about that. Like, I've, I've had a couple like monster stouts that were in eight ounce cans, and it was amazing because you can finish it like pretty easily on the production side of things like is that a if you have a canning facility do you have to get different type of equipment to to support an eight ounce can or they maybe are some of those breweries maybe getting that produced elsewhere i know that that to work i know that the some people around here have a wild goose canning line that can do 16s and do 12s Ooh, 12 yeah but uh i'm not sure if the same heads or fillers would work because i know that there's some some of the newer ones you can definitely switch between uh, sizes, but I'm not sure if it could do all of them. It would probably be more expensive to do that. Um, I don't think I've seen eight ounce cans from an Iowa brewery yet, or I haven't seen like the facility or the canning line, but I, I know that some are variable and can do different sizes. Mm-hmm. But so it'd probably just be another investment on that to either add something or replace a piece every single time you change the volume. But it'd be a great question for somebody who owns one of the canning lines. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we bottle just because that's the equipment we have. And, um, geez, I'd have to look at like, you know, bottles, labels, caps, all that stuff, but that all gets rolled into price too. So to be I'm, honest though, we've been selling beer for cheaper than probably we should have been too for a long time. I know flick specifically, we want to be cheaper than the guest taps we have on. Sure. And we weren't increasing the prices like coming back from the pandemic, all that sort of stuff. We were trying to still sell beer at the same price we were before. And honestly, it would have been a great time to increase it then because it was more understandable because a lot of the consumers, I don't think, understand just how crazy the costs are getting, but they're seeing the sticker price and a little bit of shock at the store shelves or at the bar. And it takes like an actual invested interest into craft beer to understand why that's happening. So like our demographic of listeners, probably craft beer people. So they probably slightly understand why. But like Joe down the street might not understand why his local brewery's beer that he used to get in a six pack for $10 is now $15 or something like that. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Um, I agree with the vested interest thing. Like, you know, where do, where do you have a crowd, you know, that, that are dedicated people that come and drink our stuff? But I wonder if this does have an effect on t- like getting into, like, is a newer drinker really going to want to like, spend that money, you know, on like a, okay, I get a four pack of this lager from, you know, anywhere close to here, you know, or I could just buy like Bush Light because it's, I get six more beers for the same price. 
I think during the pandemic, a lot of people were doing that, though. Like, they were just picking that because they were going to drink more in volume, though, too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was a... But it goes back to where you like, where you vote with your dollar. Do you yeah. want your breweries to survive, or don't you? Because, I mean, we're seeing it with, like, regional breweries that are constantly pulling out of Iowa instead of coming into Iowa mm-hmm. because people are voting with their dollar on our store shelves, at least, because we're pretty hyper-local sure. at our store shelves, anyway. Like, our... Local section has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger every year. And the fight for, you know, shelf space is a real thing too. Especially when costs are going up, you want people to actually see your product and actually buy your product. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's, uh, the shelf space is a huge fight. You know, it's cool that like some places have been giving more to local breweries. At least that's how it, it seems to me. Like I was at a, a Hy-Vee just down the street and they were like exploding with like craft beer. It was just enormous. But also, you know, at what point is it no longer local when it's like out of state stuff, you know, like they're close to us, but you know, I'm starting to see like a bunch of like black stack and modest and stuff. And I love their beers. It's great. But like, uh, you know, could, could that distributor Pequod, could they, become so big that it starts to edge some of our stuff out or is it taking more from like macro stuff? I, right now, I think it's Pequot specifically. I would think that they're, which is a fairly new, larger distributor in the state. I guess if people don't know who they are, um, I think right now they're very niche in what they're bringing in. So I don't think they're really pay, pulling away from us specifically, the hyper local stuff, but I think they are picking away at some of the more regional brands, like say Surly, um founders uh boulevard those guys i'm seeing less and less of that stuff on the shelves outside of their i'm not seeing like their interesting stuff anymore i'm only seeing like space camper or Mm -hmm. centennial ipa from founders or surly's furious and a couple other brands but we used to get some more stuff from those brands and i think the niche quality of pequod is coming in and pulling those away yeah like personally as a drinker i absolutely appreciate all that stuff and i'm not fighting for shelf space i am also not fighting for shelf space you know take what obviously take what we say with a huge grain of um barley barley yeah nice salt yeah (laughs) we have the button boom i don't remember which one it is so i'm not gonna push it uh you didn't push it either no we have this fun little sound pad we don't want it we don't want to hear it neither do the listeners you'll hear it eventually i promise you not if i have any power (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll load it with cooler sounds yeah um so i think is that listener questions did that make any sense to you listeners how about you let us know by sending us your questions concerns and comments to the vorloff hour at gmail.com you could send us hate mail too or you know compliments are also welcomed but hate uh, mail will be sent to spam immediately okay good good i don't have to monitor it so i'm just gonna let it happen oh yeah and then we'll fry it up throw it on a sandwich with some eggs some bacon spam. Spam? Yeah, all the spam we're going to get. Oof. Oof. Some peanut butter, some mayo, some American cheese. No, you're starting to lose me. This is starting to be a really it's weird really sandwich. Good. It's really good. Peanut butter on a spam mm-hmm. sandwich? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, very much I'm so. Back in. Have you ever had like peanut butter soup? Peanut butter soup? Yeah, or like, you know, like Thai food? Yes, yes. That's fair. Yes. It's like, a deft use of peanuts, just an American interpretation. All right. They're, that's they grounded up for me. Also, I'm going to tee Nathan up because I think I know where he was going earlier. Oh, yeah. We're talking about news. We're talking about local versus regional and where to spend your dollar and like bigger news about like breweries potentially shutting down because people aren't uh, 
you know, spending money on them anymore or not going to their tap rooms? Was that potentially what you were talking about earlier? Yeah. So, you didn't want to tell us before the podcast. Well, yeah. So I've been a, I've been a big fan of some national and international breweries like Evil Twin and McKellar. And both of those breweries are based in Europe, but then have U.S.-based tap rooms and breweries. So Evil Twin Brooklyn, McKellar San Diego. Mm. Uh, I saw today the McKellar is shutting down their San Diego brew location. Have you guys heard of that? I saw that too, yeah. Yeah, we just saw that today as well. What's what <laughs> blew, crazy. What blew my mind was that McKellar has like over 20 breweries mm-hmm. like under their umbrella and stuff. That's what blew my mind. But also, yeah, closing down San Diego, which you would think would be like a pretty profitable spot. Yeah, I, like every McKellar San Diego beer I've had has blown my mind. Like I like most of most of the McKellar stuff that I've had mm. from both local like US based McKellar and European based McKellar that we get imported. It's all good, but the San Diego stuff is has been on another level. Trey Blood is one of my favorite beers, period. And so it's sad to see that go. It, it is sad. They're leaving their tap rooms open for now, though, I believe was the news. They're shutting down the brewery operations, but leaving their tap rooms open. Yeah, they're going to go to contract brewing, going back to contract brewing. Which can make sense. I'm sure that when we go back to how you're spending your dollars and increased cost of operations, a lot of these people are expanding pretty heavily before the pandemic. So they're still seeing like fallout from that. Modern Times, another example of that, yeah. they finally finalized that they're going to be bought by Maui, I believe in October maybe at the end of October. So that's another one where they were expanding, 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 started shutting stuff down, and then we're looking to get bought out. But yeah, they went to receivership. I mean, it was looking bad. Yeah, I mean, and Modern Times is another one where I'm like, I love Modern Times beer. Anyone I've had from them is generally like good to great. And it's just strange to see these larger chains start to fall back. Now Maui came and bought out Modern times, McKellar's probably not looking to be bought out by anybody because they're probably doing just fine overall. Oh, it's yeah. just I don't think they're seeing the throughput or the cost being worth it on the production side anymore. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, I guess on the production side, yeah. So contract brewing for sure because you know you're alleviating a lot of your risk there. Like if something happens, uh, you know, like a a, a tank gets dented or or the glycol gets broke or the boiler goes out, you know, that's not your problem anymore. I mean, it's going to it's gonna affect you, but, you know, you, you don't have to take the cost on. Yeah, the overhead of owning and operating a brewery is insane. Oh, I can't even imagine. I mean, like our, I don't know. Our glycol chiller just broke the other day, and I was like, oh, and, well, it didn't break. Refrigerant, there was a crack in the copper pipe, leaked all the refrigerant. It was like a $3,500 repair. It was oh. pretty crazy for... What was seemingly like a small thing, but they had to come in, do some welding and sweating, refill all the refrigerant, and that's on this scale. And we're pretty small. So imagine like problems like that happening all over the place for them. It's just, I also used to not be a fan of people who contract brewed because I was like, for some reason, when I was younger, I just thought that was blasphemy. But then (laughs) when I got into actually understanding and learning about craft beer, I was like, oh, a lot of large breweries do a lot of contract brewing. And it's like, it's just a, one of the ways through it and one of the ways they can operate and distribute beer to other areas where they're not currently operating. Oh yeah. You know, it was huge and like not to get all like historical on it, but like that's how Sam Adams started. That's mm-hmm. how Pete's wicked ale started. Mm-hmm. Multiple brands were like that. They were, I can't remember the brewery, but a lot of them were brewing out of the same like massive regional brewery, you know, and they were saying they're, you know, Boston lager and people were like, wait a minute, you don't brew here in Boston. 
What is this? Can what I ask you a question him? about contract brewing? Yeah. So if a brewery goes to contract brewing, would their entire repertoire, like everything they brew, be contracted? Or would it be like flagships are, are contracted, but then experimental stuff we have capacity to do in-house? Or is it just kind of a mix of both? Depends on what they want, really. There are like, mm-hmm. it's becoming more and more of a thing now that a lot of breweries don't even have a location. They just contract brew, so they don't actually have a physical brewery space. Um, but like around here, the people that have done contract brew, and I could put Brightside as f- for an example, uh, their best selling beer that they constantly ran out of um, over and over again because they couldn't keep up on at Brightside was their Cran Orange Wheat, an amazing beer. So to try to keep up with that production and not have to worry about it at their local level, they have that contracted out. I, I assume that's Andrew. I'm asking permission to say this now. Uh, I can cut it if you want. Uh, but they have the contracted out, I believe, by back pocket. I mean, it says it on the cans. Oh, that's okay. <clears throat> it's it's knowledge. It's knowledge. And he talks about it in the episode that you'll be hearing, you listener, uh, in a few weeks. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So, like, that was just to alleviate space and do that now. So that way he has the ability to create and do other beers at Brightside in Altoona as well. But I'm like, one time, I know 515 played around with doing contracting for OJ. I don't know if they ever went through with it, uh, but they also played around with it. A lot of uh, Iowa brews seem to be wanted to do with flagships and still do interesting stuff at their own place. Yeah. I mean, it's, I th- you know, depending on the scale too, just looking into it is like, same with um, um, a mobile canner too. It's like a lot of it, like you're going to sell it, like the money you're putting in there for the scale, you know, a lot of it's marketing too. Like it's getting like some shelf space. You know, people consider that when they're not just at the tap room. Because if you're like 515, you know, it's like a destination tap room. Like you have to go there. Yep. Um, Most of our places you have to go there, right? It's like we're not everywhere. So definitely with that and the mobile and the contract brewing, you know, is making the scale and usually packaging it for you too. Yep. So that helps too. If they already have that infrastructure using that, using their space and stuff is pretty nice. I mean, look at Andrew, like he, he's able to, you know, keep the people fed. Yeah. Cause hungry. people coming in trying to find the beer and like he would run out of it. And it's just like, it's a balance of sometimes it's okay to run out of something, but like a lot of the times you're getting a lot of flack for running out of something. Cause I just remembered he also did hazy diamond bling sauce mm-hmm. with back pocket. And that beer is phenomenal. I had it before it was contracted and afterwards still great, still amazing. And it's just like, he can't make enough of it to meet the demand at Brightside, so it definitely helps, and it also helps to have those relationships for those opportunities too. Totally, because then you can also throw another seasonal, like again to use Brightside, just because we know. Thanks, all this. Andrew. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Try not to step on this uh, the next episode's toes, but he also did like Enlightenment Stout as well. So having something for the colder season, you know, a little more variety in the cans that you can get at High B. So that's a pretty cool thing. I would say that is. One of the main things there. And if you are uh, like McKellar, they probably will have quite a few things like contract brewed. And they may do, might even do something called gypsy brewing where you like physically yeah. go there and do the work. Because if it's contract brewed, it's just them doing it. That brewery doing it. Like they might have you come like for canning runs or whatever just to make sure everything's up to snuff. And of course, they'll have you taste it, blah, 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 blah. But there are places too where you can go and just like brew there. Because I think Evil Twin does that or still does that i don't know if octopi brewing does that for a bunch of brands like untitled art yeah like, is ran through octopi brewing yeah exactly humble forager too i think i believe so 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Evil Twin, like their Europe-based brewing is a nomadic brewer. So like when you look on the cans of Even More Jesus, oh, okay. they have the adjuncts like Atunmas Jesus, Jesus, um, is brewed somewhere in a Spanish-speaking country. And so they sort of oh. partner with some of those, some of those fun uh those flagships that get changed when they're brewed in different locations, they change the name. That's pretty cool. I've not had enough Evil Twin. I used to drink Evil Twin all the time. And then I started brewing beer and I'm just like, Ugh, I have to buy beer? I, can just, I can't just go drink my own beer? That's not true. I buy a lot of beer. Yeah, I don't want even... Uh, <clears throat> maybe another segment we can... Uh, one of us will pull something fun out of our cellar and we'll drink that on air. But uh, yes. not... Nathan just wants to drink all of our rare stouts. I mean, that's fine. I've got plenty. Yeah. My cellar is they over. need Drake. This would be a great opportunity to work through my cellar, actually. Let's do it. Let's call it the um, cellar challenge or something. We'll the work cellar challenge. Everyone's segment own jingle. Oh, Load yeah. the jingle in on the recorder. Load oh, it in. Yeah, absolutely. It's instead time for the cellar challenge. Yeah, instead of this. No. Oh, it didn't, it didn't happen. It's it, coward. Yes. Dang it. He turned it down when you weren't looking, I bet. So that Nathan way defeated me. Anyways, I was trying to press this super fun sound pad, but I guess we'll just put something else in there. I'm a bit worried about it existing because I, I'm worried about you doing things. I think it's going to be loading sounds on there when we're not here. And it's going to be like clips of us saying really dumb things. Oh, that's I didn't even think about that, but thank you. You're welcome. All right. So on the topic of contract brewing, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I recognize that it may be it may vary case by case, but broadly speaking, so like maybe in the case of Back Pocket, when they do contract brewers, so Back Pocket, I'm sure, has head brewer, assistant brewer, a handful of people who are helping in the brew process. Would breweries who do contract brewing have additional staff who there may, maybe focuses on the contract stuff and the head brewer is recipe crafting for their own brand? So I can actually talk a little bit about this because i know a guy who did a lot of this in madison or well not well yeah because it was next door brewing in madison dave hansen our brewer from the madison location oh uh, worked a lot with potosi who did they did a lot of their contract beers for store shelves with and he was in charge of scaling the recipes going down there making sure they were doing everything right now they he didn't actually brew the beer there but he was basically there to make sure the quality on the contract beer is good, scaling those recipes up and making sure they still met the quality standards of next door to whatever degree they wanted it to, or to get it as good as it could be, but on that larger scale. Now him and one other person would split duties on that. So they did absolutely have a guy that focused on that stuff and another brewer who was in house working on other recipes for the local location too. But they did a lot of that work. So not every brewery, I would assume, would do that. I assume they would have just the regular brewer go back and forth and just make sure that things are being done right in the way they want them to. Wait, Nextdoor was making Potosi beer or Potosi was making... Potosi was making Nextdoor beer. Okay, I see, sure. And they had someone who was like a liaison between the two. Yep, that was Dave. He was the... He was one of the head brewers at Nextdoor, but his job oftentimes would just be to make sure to scale recipes correctly, communicate with Potosi to make sure the beers were being brewed correctly. And that was like a lot of his job while there were other brewers at next door further developing like local, like local seasonal beers. Sure. I was gonna say, as far as I understand it, being a head brewer on a bigger operation, you don't really see you yourself aren't brewing very much. That goes to like your leads, your shifts, stuff like that. Um, What about me and you? 
no weed brew i'm saying on a larger production scale we're so large like you're gonna have other people yeah i'm not i can tell you i do not i mean i make a lot of beer but i'm not making thousands of barrels maybe a thousand barrels Mm. 750 i think i think we're on track to hit like 500 that's good it's fine I think last year was like 420 or something like that. So 420. Blaze There's up. a bit of blaze it. Blaze it. There's a bit of growth there. But I mean, you know, you know how the, the climate's been with COVID and all that stuff. Not to derail this conversation, but yes. Uh those are my thoughts on contract brewing. I don't know. I think you I, you hit it before I got you distracted. Yeah. Well, yeah, thank you for that. Cause I mean, I'm I'm here for the normies. There, there's no question as it relates to beer that's too dumb. I will make sure that it gets asked to these two legends legends of the hidden temple (laughs) i did just give you a crown today though yeah i should have i should be wearing it but these headphones yeah not with the headphones yeah he's the young king that's what i've been called Mm -hmm. and i take that on humbly a humble forager of sorts yeah not to be confused with the beer brand no just as a title the humble king goes out to his backyard looks for mushrooms (laughs) that's an andrew thing how many morels are you trekking down i don't eat mushrooms actually Mushrooms are great, and you're wrong for not liking them. Last mushroom, I've had mushrooms recently, and it was very good, but we were at a very upscale restaurant, so I wasn't not going to eat it. Because I bet fair. those mushrooms were insanely expensive. And I mean that as in, like, breaking down the plate cost. Oh, okay. You know, you look at every ingredient, like, of course I'm going to try it. And they were quite good. Yeah, I don't like mushrooms very much, but the only time that I've really liked them was at a fancy restaurant in Cedar Rapids. Yeah, they know how to, like, make them. It's crazy. I don't I, know about a fancy restaurant, but I know a guy who can make mushrooms for both of you, and it's me, and you'll like them. I mean, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, I'm the not going to forge them either, though. Bring it on. Uh, yeah, it's the other segment. Jack feeds everybody at the, at <laughs> yeah. the Morloff hour. It's always mushroom-based. It's always mushrooms, though. He's just trying to convince Nathan and I that we like mushrooms. I actually had uh, another a beer-related topic that I forgot that we should probably talk about. Yeah. Uh, I was at the Great Taste of the Midwest up in Madison last week. Oh, yeah. This is much better than uh, Mushroom Talk. Mushroom Talk? Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Mushroom Talk's very good. I just remembered this, though. So, have you heard about the Great the great Taste? No, enlighten me. It is 35 years old. It is, I believe, the third largest beer festival in the country, or it's the second. It's, What's one and two? Uh, the Great American Beer Festival, and I believe this is second, actually. Yeah. Oh, I guess, I don't know about biggest, but I know, like, age-wise. Age-wise is very old, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, this year was its 35th anniversary and it's at a beautiful park up in Madison, Wisconsin. And it's a lottery system to get in as a brewery unless you're one of the normal people. So I was fortunate enough to have the Flix Madison location get in. And I got the ability to go up there and taste all sorts of amazing beers while I was up there. Because from the Iowa people, there was Lion Bridge, uh, Toppling Goliath, Dimensional, Confluence. 515. 515. Flix, sort of. I mean, I was there. We poured Dark Helmet there. Does that count? I think so. Cool. Uh, there are quite a few other uh, Iowa people as well. Yeah, there are. I know there's a few that are kind of grandfathered in, I suppose. Yeah. Grandpersoned in. But anyway, like there were so many opportunities to have a ton of beer I've never had. Because one of the things about being a brewer in Iowa and doing Iowa Beer Fest is you oftentimes have maybe each brewery has one or two new beers that they haven't brought to a beer fest before. But it's a lot of the same beer a lot of the same people you've seen over and over again, which is great, which was why we normally have parties beforehand, the night beforehand. And we and that's when all the crazy stuff comes out. That's like the uh, the family reunion. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun normally. 
But this was, I've never met most of these people, never heard of a lot of these breweries. And I had an opportunity to actually go try a lot of, a lot of barley wine, to be fair. That's, that's how you should be spending a festival. But I just, I just wanted to highlight my favorite beer just to put it out there that I had was from Three Sheeps in Sheboygan. Okay. I have had that brewery's beer before and know one of the brewers there who is actually the third assistant brewer here. And now he's, I believe, the leader, the head brewer over there. Oh. Yeah. So it was the Wolf, which is their bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. Oh. Aged with real gray tea and lemon. Oh, interesting. It was so That's good. Awesome. It was so good. I was shocked to hear like Earl Grey tea. Yes. Stout with that. Yes. But then to actually add lemon to it, I was like, I get the tea aspect for that. But I was like, how would that pair with the stout? And you could the, you could just smell the lemon and the citrus on the beer. And you could just smell the tea and like all the spicy herbal notes of the tea. But it meshed so well with like the chocolate, like tobacco-y tones of an imperial stout mm. and i was shocked that it was that good it was literally the i think the best beer i had the entire time and i was so jazzed about it so early i went back and had it multiple times <laughs> that sounds amazing i really love i love those like fun little twists on those styles you know not the go-to's which i'm fond of too but you know just like cacao nibs and vanilla yeah like no let's like let's get weird with it it was definitely a weird twist because they also had like a pastry version of it too with a bunch of other adjuncts but this was like crazy to like i wouldn't have done that beer myself or i'd be worried about how it sells oh yeah i would be very concerned weirdest (laughs) adjunct you've had in a beer and that was still good oh man okay i can go first frozen pizza frozen pizza oh this was there was frozen pizza in a it was an evil twin collab and shredded money, right? And shredded money it was called a yeah. uh, big ass money stout. That was a very good beer. Okay, so what was on the frozen pizza though? Like, what kind of pizza was it? Pepperoni, cheese, sausage? I they don't say? remember. Because like tomato in a beer, I can understand micheladas, sure. Cheese. I mean, there's a ton of cheesecake stouts and stuff out there now. Yeah, and then like dough is bread, and breadiness is good in a beer. So mm-hmm. if it was like those three things, maybe. But like if it had any sort of meat on it, I just can't imagine it being very good. What did it taste like? Is it, did it taste like pizza? <laughs> no, it tasted like beer. And I'm going to be honest, I had it probably four years ago. And I really liked craft beer, but my palate wasn't developed that I could pick out distinctiveness. Did distinctives you, in beer. Did you have this at all bait? Yes, I had it all bait. Yeah, I worked there at the time. That's where Ooh. I had it too. I didn't and I didn't. It, it was just like a very big, thick, tasty stout. Yeah. I didn't really taste, you know, it, to me, I feel like the, the pizza would probably contribute, like you're saying, that bready doughiness and probably salt. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is not bad to have in a beer. Right. Not a noticeable salt, but I'm not sure. I don't know what the money gave to it besides being big ass money. Right. Yeah. But it was like, I think it was like shredded up dollar bills or something. Yeah. That's so weird. Awesome. Hilarious. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I can't. I'm trying to think of. I know a lot of bad ones that I've had. I think one of them was a dogfish one that had meat cones. Like it was one of their historical <laughs> ones. It was oh. like some old Mexican or Central American, probably not just Mexico specifically. I believe it was Central America. And they were like, they had these weird fermented meat cones that they put into things and that would spontaneously ferment. And that's when dogfish had had that show where they did all sorts of weird, crazy stuff. Yeah. Like chew on the blue corn. And that's how they she started showed. breaking. Yeah. Or the sati beer too, all that yeah. weird stuff. I believe it was dogfish head. Someone can write in and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was fermented meat cones in a beer, and it was tragic. 
It oh, was no. so bad. Oh, boy. It smelled like meat and <laughs> tasted like meat and not in a good way. Not in a good way at all. That sounds dreadful. I'm what sorry. You, do you have any it. good ones? Any good ones? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Don't say pizza. Pizza's already taken. I, this is not as weird as pizza, but I had uh, a stout. It had many other things in it, but I had pistachios, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was delightful. I think it was Forager? Modest? So it was somewhere up there. I was in the Twin Cities. I was in Rochester. I don't know where the Crowler came from. It was very good, though. I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I'm used to, like, peanuts and... You no, know, just peanuts, cashews, almonds. I don't know if I've had that in a beer, but pistachio was cool. It was like uh, a very interesting nuttiness. I haven't had a lot of many sweet things with pistachios. I how, usually just eat them. How would you do that? Like, would the pistachios be like smashed up or would you? Probably ground. Ground up, you okay. Would, you would rack the beer over it. Yeah. I've I've had a pistachio beer. It was a pistachio cream ale. Oh. I think it was from Nebraska. How somewhere was that? in Nebraska. It was fantastic. Uh, I mean, it was also lactose heavy, so it kind of tasted yeah. like a pistachio, like cake, sort of thing, huh. like frosting pistachio cake. That is so close to my favorite style, pastry lagers. Oh yeah, definitely your favorite style. Mm-hmm. I th- I'm thinking, I, I think my favorite weird adjunct, and it's not really weird because it used to be more prevalent, was is just oyster stouts, where they oh, use yeah. the shells and get the salt off of them to put in a stout. Oh my god, I didn't drink it, but there's a place in Des Moines. Des Moines, Denver, that has a Rocky Mountain oyster stout. Do they actually? Do they, they actually, actually use, use the Rocky Mountain oysters? Yes, they do. I didn't have it. I didn't have the, the Rocky. Yeah, I didn't have the Rocky Mountain oysters to drink it. But uh, it, apparently, it was very popular. It's like I think it's always on their menu. I mean, oyster stouts, normal oyster stouts, are a thing or were more prevalent before. In fact, I believe North Liberty, Iowa City, used to have a oyster stout festival and you would go eat oysters and drink oyster stouts not from iowa i don't think i've ever had one made in iowa yeah i don't think i have either i'm not not to say that there hasn't been one right i'm yeah, sure I've there just, has someone's we're young boys hate. who you know weren't around forever no but sounds like you got some recipe crafting to do you know, um, oysters rocky mountain oysters yeah they, iowa mountain oysters got we'll some, use, got uh, some barrels buffalo, buffalo testicles yeah buffalo testicles in the buffalo trace barrels mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. man it's gotta be huge i mean they are probably huge wink okay jack i got a question about the beer festival that <laughs> yeah. we we were on oh, track sorry. about well, yeah well well <laughs> so with a festival like that do you the breweries that show up to that festival maybe other festivals as well are they primarily uh like local like or like local breweries uh, that they probably have maybe have statewide distribution that travel to a festival like this, or would you see breweries that have larger multi-state distribution that like we could see here, we could see their stuff on shelves here in Des Moines, or is it is it more of a, like a highlight for smaller breweries to get exposure and uh, to meet up? A lot of both, really. I mean, Toppling Goliath was there. We can find their stuff here, but I mean. New, oh. Gla- New Glarus was there, and I mean they're statewide mm. in Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm trying to think of Potosi was there, and they're they're regional, and we get some of their stuff here. But uh, I'm trying to think of other brands. A lot of it was more local stuff that they don't really distribute a ton out of their outside of their local areas. I mean there were plenty of bigger brands, but none none that I was like, oh my god, I've never like met these people before, but I get their beer here, sort of thing. So I mean it was people from all over. Uh, Missouri, Indiana, Illinois, Nebraska, 
uh, Ohio. I think there was a couple from Pennsylvania as well. But uh, no, a lot of it was like stuff. Most of it, I would say, was stuff I've never seen before on a store shelf or never. And a lot of them, I've never even heard of these brands or these people before. And that was like half the fun, just going around and trying to see these new people. And because there was also a lot of brewers working the event, which was also very cool because they know. I say I've heard the party beforehand. The day before is pretty fun. Uh, Madison itself was very busy. Yeah. Oh, I imagine. But no, yeah, I was I was shocked that it's mostly stuff I've never seen before, and I could never have gotten before. Um, outside of a few, like Revolution was there too. I mean, oh, awesome! They just moved to Iowa, yeah, and like a few months, well, mm-hmm. probably half a year ago at this point. Oh, possibly, yeah. And people that were bringing it for beer, so it was really good, really cool to see. That's awesome. It kind of reminds me of uh, on a much smaller scale because they just had their first one, but the Barn Town Get Down. That was a very cool uh, beer festival. I poured there for Brightside, and there was like brands I'd never seen before, or breweries I've never seen before. And so it was cool to like try some of that stuff. The vibes at this one were way more chill than I thought they would be too. And I mean, that's because Flix is not a hype brand, to be fair. So there wasn't, you know, <laughs> a line out the out the gate for Flix specifically. But even most, I don't think. Unless there were the hyper well-known ones, like Toppling Goliath always had a line. Yeah, of course. Nuclearis always had a line because there's people that go around. But they also had really good branding for people that had never been there before, like breweries that had never been there before. They're marked with rookie tents. Oh, So cool. on their little festival map, it marked all of the rookies. And we had so many people come up to drink our beer only because it was the first time we've ever been there. That's awesome. And they went around specifically to all the rookies and they didn't really drink at anybody else that wasn't a rookie because they go huh. to this festival every single year. So they oh. only want to try the newest stuff nice i mm-hmm. like that that's very fun i hope i can someday pour there what else did you bring up did you just bring up the stout for so Flix? we from us specifically we had dark helmet and that was it but our indiana brewer brought up his bourbon barrel aged triple carmelite which is a gabf medal winning beer in the past oh. and then our madison brewer brought five brands he brought three core beers so 10 day scottish ale lucha libre mexican lager uh, nebulous hazy ipa but then he also had a Dutch Kuit, which is just an old school oat ale. It's like 50% oat. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was very lemony and very nice and refreshing. Oh. He also had a raw farmhouse beer. Oh, that really? He never even got up to sanitizing temps. He got it like it was tradition, like an actual traditional raw farmhouse ale that he did that way on purpose. Like I was like, oh, did you bring it up to 185 and just sit it there to kill off stuff? And he's like, no. And he poured it on a separate picnic tap. That he didn't let us put it on any of our taps on our jockey boxes. He's like, "Don't let this touch your things. It could be bad." I'm like, "I don't care about my jockey box. It'd be fine." <laughs> but he was just like, and it was a nice, light, refreshing farmhouse. Like, huh? Very mellow. Like, it was very good though. I was Damn. surprised at like how many people work at a Lithuanian farmhouse. A raw Lithuanian farmhouse is what it was called. Whoa! It had a name, but I forgot it already. Sorry, Dave. And then he had one other beer, and I honestly can't remember what it was. But So we had a good showing of beers. Nice. I love it. Yeah. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, I, and like, I, I just think everyone for that fest specifically at least brings a few things that are just like, I've never heard of this before, or people haven't had this before. So they're sure. just bringing it. I had the 2022 Assassin from Toppling Goliath. Oh, I ran nice. into Eric Hilde almost immediately. And oh. I was like, hey, Eric what you got? He's like, what do you want? And I was like, I'll take the assassin. <laughs> so it wasn't much of a choice. It was either, he also was pouring morning delight. And I was like, well, Oh, I'll just nice. go with the 2022 assassin, please. Sure. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, it was a healthy pour. The glasses were really cool too, which is another thing with Beer Fest. Well, half the highlight is the glassware that yeah, you get. Yeah, for sure. And it was actually a 12 ounce glass. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, a fluted, like a tulip 12 ounce glass. Nice. With yeah. the logo on the festival and everything. And then it had a marker for, you know, the two ounce point. So that was what your pours <laughs> were supposed to be. Yeah, of course. I'm mm-hmm. sure everyone definitely was pouring two ounces on everything. Yes. Um, speaking of festivals, we have the Iowa Beer Bash coming up. Mm hmm. It's Labor Day weekend up in Amana. Yeah, September 4th. I believe it's a Sunday. Yep, it's the day before. Uh, yeah, everyone has that Monday off for Labor Day normally, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I've been to it a few times. It's always a good time, and they have a out, nice outdoor space in Amana. It's a nice drive up there, too. Uh, it was mm. Iowa's second largest beer festival for the longest time when it was known as the Amana's Festival of Iowa Beers. Okay. But, Did, uh, is something else number two now? I'm not sure. I, I I would have to check, but I I know that the the I believe Burfest was bigger than it last year because oh. they went through a rebranding after the pandemic though. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to then pick up. It also has uh Millstream has new owners. Yes. So they came in, rebranded everything. Got, everything's got like a facelift because it was yep. the branding and stuff was from oh, however was quite long old, ago. Yes. Yeah. So they then they restarted the fest. I couldn't go last year because I was traveling back and forth to brew. Mm-hmm. But I uh, would have loved to be there because I haven't missed one since I started working at Flick. So that was the oh. f- first one I missed since I started working here. I've never been, so I'm pretty excited to go. We're pour- Are you pouring there too? I, I am pouring there. pouring there. Uh, I think it's over 50 or 60 breweries there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a good time. Um, you were saying earlier off mic that they, a lot of Oktoberfest, a lot of Oktoberfest. So if you yeah. like Oktoberfest, like everyone brings, cause it's like the perfect, everyone's putting one out right now anyway. So it's like every, yeah. there's a lot of people that could just come up and go, can I get your Oktoberfest? I'm like, oh, look boy. at all my branding I have here. Does it say Oktoberfest? No, it doesn't. <laughs> so I did not bring one cause everyone brings one, but now I always bring one because that's what people expect when they go. Oh boy. So this will be a fun year for me cause we didn't brew an Oktoberfest. I'll, I'll just give you some of mine and you can be like, this is, this is mine. Yeah, we this can cut taste- this out. But are you guys? Can you guys tease what uh, what you might be bringing to the fest? I mean, we don't need to cut it out. I, no, I can talk okay, about it. I'm bringing our Oktoberfest Brewhouse Oktoberfest, yeah. and then I'm also bringing I'm bringing two darker beers and then a hazy beer. So I've got Lock Be a Lady, which comes out this oh, week. It is yeah. a coffee, chocolate, vanilla Scottish Ooh. ale. Yeah, very nice. And that's uh, ten pounds of coffee, twenty pounds of cacao nibs, and quite a bit of vanilla mm. in a Scottish ale and then the Oktoberfest and then probably just nebulous which everyone like if they hear of flicks it's like our best foot forward sort of thing and everyone sure. expects a hazy so yeah nice mm-hmm. well uh this is tentative so it could be different but <clears throat> we usually bring four beers to every festival so brag about it well that's what our jockey box is so I'm like may as well fill it definitely earthbound which is our our house hazy yeah. I mean if you if you've been to Cabco in the last year and a half, you've probably had it. Um, it's kind of my baby. It's okay. Yeah, it's, I'm just kidding. I, it's, it's delicious. Good. But yeah, this is a new batch too with like a thialized yeast, so it's a, it's quite a bit different, but it's fun. Um, our Keller beer, which is more just straight up a Hellas now, but because uh, it's been lagering for a while. Fruit also good. Uh, I'm, I think I'm gonna be pulling a barrel here this week or next week. We're gonna adjunct the heck out of it. I don't know what adjuncts, so I'm going to just play it by ear. Um, and if we don't bring that, we'll bring a seltzer and then, I don't know, maybe our brown ale. Oh, we have an ESB. That's quite nice. I bring that. Just tell that's everybody that's an Oktoberfest. Oh, it is very just much call not. call it a fest beer. Fest beers are quite light. 
I know. ESB, like no one knows what an ESB is though. Yeah, no one knows. So anything. you just lie. It's it's like a hoppy ESB though. We dry hopped it. That sounds good. Cascade, which we actually it was a collaboration between Cabco, my company, and uh, Studio Iowa, Nathan's company. Yeah, you. Neither of us are owners of those companies. No, no, definitely not. We're just worker bees, but it's just fun. Working for the man. My invite got <laughs> left uh, somewhere apparently for that. Mm-hmm. What? This is before I knew you. Oh, oh, you know what? That's fair. That wasn't that long ago. No. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had an invite. I could have had an invite. Could have. It was more of like a us thing. So That's maybe fun. next time. Maybe next time. We'll just do a beer festival at Studio Iowa. We could do a studio or a beer festival in our current podcasting studio, a.k.a. the Grain Room. Yeah, we could. The Grain Bash. The Grain Bash. <laughs> yeah, Flux Brewhouse Grain Bash. Um, Live podcast recording. Yeah. Everyone brings through the window. Everyone brings one can or bottle. It's the challenge. It's the seller challenge. It's back. It's the real seller challenge. We'll all drink all of them. Oh, God. Let's do it. On mic. We won't regret that. Beer's yeah. great. Beer's good. Beer's good. Love beer. We're drinking some beer right now. What are we drinking, Jack? Uh, we call it secret beer. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't have a name. It's a blend of two different beers we entered into a competition. Oh, nice. To, yep. to give it double chances. Uh, we entered in it next... in one category, so it's only going to have <laughs> the one chance. Oh, that's fun. The, uh, the other two beers were not entered. <laughs> oh, I see. The, the, bl- the two opposite of blending did not get entered into ah. the competition, so... I'll see you, Great American Beer Festival. I'll announce what the secret beer was if I want anything, which yeah, I won't. There we go. We may hear about it. You won't. It's okay. I'll be salty about not winning anything again. Mm. <laughs> um, anything else? Uh, we could... Uh, uh, I, I know you originally pitched maybe like saying one thing that you're looking forward to or one thing that you were have excited been and have been yeah. enjoying in the, since we last talked or, you know... Or going forward. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you've uh, been excited about that, uh, you know, or haven't been enjoying? It could be beer. It could, I don't know, could be, I don't know, workshop. Um, it could be anything you want. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I'm enjoying uh, spending more time with my wife. Oh, that's good. It's been very busy over the summer at her work and mine. So we haven't got a lot of time to be together. So, you know, it's starting to wind down at my job. So that frees up a little bit of time. She's still quite busy, but we'll have more. Like my evenings are definitely becoming more free, which is like uh, when you're doing crazy brew days, sometimes it starts to get long in the tooth. But now that we're past the fair, you know, we're starting to kind of like starting to even out here, you know, still brewing and stuff. We're just kind of like not having to ramp up for like four or five different events. So that's quite nice. That sounds quite so, nice. So yeah, my wife, it's very cliche, but. I mean, I think that's very nice. It doesn't have to be cliche yeah. at all. Grace will love it when she hears this. Uh, my wife probably won't even listen to it if that helps anything. Hey. Same. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to think of like, uh, I mean, I don't know. Nathan, do you have anything? Yeah, I got mine, Jack. So you can think while I'm going. So next week, I am extremely excited to see the premiere two episodes of Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. And oh. I will be seeing them at a global screening event that the Cinemark is doing, and we're oh, seeing whoa. it at Jordan Creek. So whoa. both episodes, big screen, free tickets. Oh, that's yeah. amazing. So like Lord of the Rings has been one of my favorite stories, pieces of media for at least the last 19 years. 
as a little kid, my, I was like aware of it as I started growing up and I was like talking to my mom about seeing it. She's like, well, I want you to read some of the books first, like read the Hobbit. And then when you're a certain age, you can see it, uh, with, uh, with some family members. And so I had an uncle and aunt who had a giant flat screen TV at the time that was like probably like four feet. It was just one of those massive, like it's, it's a floor standard TV. It's like five feet tall. It was crazy big. And I was 10 years old and I went to spend their, spend the night at their house over the weekend and watched fellowship and two towers. Cause those are the ones that were out Damn, watched back, them to, back, back. to back and it changed my life. So I'm, I've been pumped for rings of power. Um, I've been devouring every bit of news and trailers <laughs> that I can see. And I'm so excited to see it next week. I'm very hopeful for it. Like as you probably were disappointed in the Hobbit films. Can we, do we even call them films? I, I didn't watch them. Uh, so I, Yes, was disappointed, but I actually have a special place in my heart for them because I tried getting my wife, girlfriend at the time, into Lord of the Rings, and she couldn't care less. <laughs> she did not like them at all. I tried getting her to watch them. And then as the Hobbit movies were coming out, she saw those with me and fell in love with them. Oh, And through oh, nice. her love of the Hobbit, she fell in love with Lord of the Rings. And so... Do they hold a candle to the Lord of the Rings trilogy? No, <laughs> no, not even close. But they were my wife's sort of entrance into the story. And nice. so it'll always be close to me. I'm glad that she got hooked in that way. That's very good. Yeah, one of the best, one of the top five moments in our relationship. Um, I was working one day. She wasn't working. And so I was going off to work and I saw her turn on TV and she turned on Lord of the Rings Two Towers nice. by herself. Nice. I was not there. She Extended. watched it without me. Extended, yes. <laughs> oh, so you know, that's double better. That's double good. That's double better. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I figured it out because we're all talking about, you know, you're excited to go see the Rings of Power. You talked mm -hmm. about your wife. Guess mm -hmm. what? My wife's birthday is tomorrow. Oh, nice. Uh, and so is my father's birthday. He's turning 70. Oh. But I'm looking forward to Thursday. We're actually going out to Jasper County Winery. And I guess on Thursdays, they have live music and beer and wine. And it's supposed to be good weather. So I'm looking forward to that nice. this week. I'm also looking forward to not being quite as busy uh, going forward. So it's on Flix's slow season as well. So it's nice to not just be go, 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 go. So since we got back from the uh, festival, it's been nice and slowing down. Heck yeah. And it's getting into the spooky season. It's one of my favorite times of year. Mine too. I guess another thing I have to look forward to. Well, I'll save it for next week. Yeah, that's fair. Well, actually, just real quick to tell people kind of how this is going to go. I don't quite if I was <clears throat> don't know if I was super clear at the start, but every month you'll have two episodes. There'll be a Morloff hour, mm -hmm. which is what you're listening to right now. And we'll have a interview like the, the previous episodes. So we'll be continuing that series. Of course, that is kind of the whole push. By the way, we definitely did not say at the start either that this is sponsored by the Iowa Brewers Guild. Brought to you <laughs> by is, that. We'll put a bump at the beginning. Yeah, let's do that. Um, Iowa Brewers Guild, as you heard at the top, of course, just need to yeah, absolutely reiterate heard it at it. the top. But uh, it is because of them that we're able to do this. This is kind of our drive. This is why you got us sweet boys here together. So uh, more laugh hour than interview. We got some cool interviews up. Yeah, we're absolutely. still working through a bit of a backlog. So the next episode will be when uh, we recorded with Brightside in May or the end of April. So it was right before CBC. It's a very fun conversation. Alex loving good. Uh, and I had with um, our good pal, Andrew Frana. Um, yeah. And then you'll start to hear 
Jack and I take over hosting duties. You'll hear Nathan on most every episode. I almost guarantee that. Yeah. Um, he does all the amazing editing, so we're very thankful for that. Thank you, Nathan. Thank oh, you, Nathan. Thanks, man. I'm glad to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, it's really uh, elevated this whole thing. So it's it's great that we've, we're creating this team and all that stuff. So also, we'd like to hear from you. You can reach out to us on Instagram at the Vorloff Hour, or we got our Gmail, the Vorloff Hour at gmail.com. Questions, concerns, comments, all that good stuff. You can also reach out to me, James Heckathorn. Uh, what's a great place? Probably Instagram. I don't remember my handle, but you'll find it. Mine's Flix Brewer Jack on hey, Instagram. Easy peasy. Yeah, you can also follow uh, the Flix TikTok account. Oh, you should. It's very good. It's uh, beer DSM. It's a very good watch. I almost said that's a good a personal. Listen. That's a personal push, but uh, that's you know, okay. You can find me there, and I will respond to you because I almost respond to every single comment there. <laughs> can they? Can they reach you, Nathan? If you can find me. Oh, there we go. You can try finding him. He's a mysterious man, the man of mystery. Yeah, good luck with that, public or listeners, whatever. Do not dox us, please. <laughs> Don't dox us, but thank you guys so much for listening yeah, but to thank this, you. the Morloff Hour. If you guys get associated with us with like a parasocial relationship, please take a step back and realize that we are not friends. Unless we are friends Unless in real life. Unless we are friends. <laughs> but we can not... become friends. It's yeah. just not immediately. Yes, exactly. Don't think just because you listen to the sultry tones of our voice that we are friends. But I am open but to we, potentially yes. becoming your friend. But we yes. can become friends if you approach us in a manner befitting of normal people. Okay? I bet if you actually comment and leave, you know, concerns and questions, we might become faster friends. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to be good friends with us, which you should, you will comment. You will question Ask questions. You will ask questions. And probably question our sanity. And if you want to complain, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Hate mail. Hate mail will be blocked. Fried up. <laughs> and eaten <laughs> on the spam egg and cheese sandwich with bacon and peanut butter. Apparently. Well, it is the spam. No. Oh, the hate mail. Yeah, that spam. was that's what fine. I was. Yes, because I Nathan said it would go to the spam folder earlier. And that's what <sighs> I fry up. And I gave and my it recipe. it comes back to this. And I get it now. At the, Here at the end of all things. Yeah, you can also send us cans of Spam that are unexpired. I will eat them. We'll drink your beer, too, if you want to find us. We can drink and talk about your beer on the Morloff Hour Absolutely. if you're ever oh. interested in that. Oh, my God. That's, uh, that's actually amazing. Hey, if you're part of a brewery. Or not. Or not. You know, if we're talking about the Morloff Hour. Or the Morloff Hour, you know, we're talking about Iowa beer. If you are connected with the industry and you want to talk, okay? You let us know. You send us a request uh, over email. Let's talk. Let's 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 vibe a little bit, okay? And uh, we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, what's that email again? The Vorloff Hour at gmail.com. Heck yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank this you. This is great. This is a good first one. Yeah. It, we'll find out. Hit subscribe. Yeah, hit, uh, rate us five stars on your favorite podcasting platforms, and I believe you can find our podcast everywhere now. Yes. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Nathan. Also, we will read any reviews we get. Yes. Any? Any. Okay. We'll rescind that if there's too many. No. Okay. Everything. Okay. Bye. Bye.